0: have accessed entry 806.JB1010, certificate number 52260,
1: Moose Cheese. You know, everybody, uh, all the futurelings love moose. Meese. Because we once had a very brief conversation about how big a moose is. On the Omnibus, and it became one of the many, many, many popular memes among the futurelings on the internet. We can't even remember which entry it was. It was sometime we were talking, and you said, moose are bigger than you think. And I said, they're not bigger than I think. I know how big a moose is. And you said, no, but they're even bigger than you think. And Th- I said, no.
0: I think it might have been Jimmy Carter Swamp Rabbit, because I remember us doing it at my kitchen table, and, right. we, and we didn't do many shows there.
1: Well, anyway, what, what that has precipitated is 1,000 memes on the web of moose doing
0: things. Despite the fact that we have never actually put moose as an entry into the omnibus. There's
1: never been a moose entry, but uh, I, I, I want to remedy that today. Um, unlike most of our entries, I'm going to say moose cheese right at the, right at the top, and it's because I love saying moose cheese.
0: You're going to, are you going to wish us much goods and cheese?
1: There are, I, I am. And I've stopped doing that at the end. I need to start doing that again. Much good and cheese. This is a full hour of goods and cheese. It is. There's goods, there's cheese. Um, There's meese. One of the wonderful things about the word moose is that you can say it in front of almost any word or put any word in front of it. And it's delightful. You can say moose army or moose car. And isn't that fun? This entry was almost called moose cavalry. It was moose Calv- cavalry, and we had to change it because you can't say the word Cal- cavalry. Moose cavalry, cavalry, cavalry is the horses, and cavalry is the Jesus.
0: That's right. The L is there a way to remember this? The L goes yeah. first in Jesus because Lord. Leah, there you go. The L goes first in Jesus. So the, v, the v goes first in cavalry because of
1: horses. V- v- <laughs> That's right. Horses. <laughs> what is cavalry? What is Calvary? It's just a place. It's just yeah. a. It's just a town.
0: No, it's the hill outside Jerusalem where the crucifixion occurred.
1: Oh, why? Does that why why not call that crucifixion hill what the hell is Cal uh, cavalry Calvary uh,
0: it's the same root as I think this has been in the honest before it's the same root as skull in Latin um. the Hebrew name would, would have been Golgotha. Yeah, that's so much better. Golgotha. That sounds. That sounds really metal. Yeah, it's right? so metal.
1: Golgotha. There's got to be a Swedish metal band called
0: Golgotha, Golgotha. Is actually a Swedish metal band, and Calvary is
1: a Christian rock band. That's Calvary, the difference. Cavalry. Calvary. I've never been able to say it, and the problem is I cannot actually pronounce the word cavalry. You just did it. Well, with a little. Rrr. But I have to really try cavalry. I could say, I guess, if I spent a week just saying cavalry, cavalry, a week you couldn't even do it for a second ah, and a half. It. It's such a tongue twister, and I don't know. I don't know what's wrong with me. There's probably some
0: kind of it's got too many L's. Electroshock we could do. Yeah, I mean, um, but you're not Elmer Ful- Elmer Fudd. Havel, you can say words with the letter L. Well,
1: that's that's what the this uh, this show started out to be. But what's crazy about today? I have been Bader Meinhof two times already. Do you think there
0: is there a word for like a triple Bader like um, <laughs> yeah, Meinhof, like right. Bader Meinhof Rosenbaum?
1: Dry, dry. Battle Meinhof, Meinhof, dry. Better Meinhof Sabbath number. I don't. I don't know how many I can get, and I'm just waiting for the fourth. Um, the fourth moose to drop. The fourth moose to drop. But yeah, earlier today I was already doing this show. At all, and had all my notes and everything, and then someone on the Futurelings page. This is why, if you're listening to the show and you are on social media but not a Futureling, you don't know what you're missing. Somebody on the Futurelings page, because of the moose nature of our of our meme stature, what well, our architecture is based on—mail trucks and moose and and uh, raccoons for some reason. Uh, someone posted on the Future Links uh, page an article about moose cheese, and I already had a big section of moose cheese in this show, and it's so much so that I decided let's pivot and call it moose cheese. What a what a fun thing to say, moose cheese, moose cheese, moose cheese. I've had chocolate moose, yeah, different, spelled differently. I've had duck liver moose, that is also different. I've never had moose cheese. Our friend Michael is is. Uh, trying to buy Le Pichet, one of our favorite French restaurants here in town, and they have one of the best pâtés. That duck liver mousse is so good. It's so good. But it contains no actual mousse with two O's. No. And no force-fed goose mousse. That's true. It's only- It's not foie gras. No, it's wonderful, free-range ducks. They all had names like Sarah and and uh, Micheline. And when their time paddling in the
0: pond was done, their livers were carefully removed, mm-hmm. and a few of them are alcoholics, and those livers are are thrown away, it's well used as pig food. Yeah, <laughs> but the rest are served to French bistro customers by Pike Place Market.
1: But then immediately before we started the show, my friend Kate Chapman sent me a picture of her darling little boy wearing a T-shirt that says "Go kiss a moose, Alaska." And I said, "What is happening?"
0: I mean, this is not a pure better off because you are already a nexus for all things Alaskan. It's true, and and so, a lot of
1: moose things. So, like to the
0: degree that there's like a, a quantum wave of mooseness mm-hmm. in the universe, it
1: probably coalesces around you more if than me. If one more person sends me a moose thing, though, are to, you going to be a believer? Are you going to be a true believer? Yeah, I mean, what does that mean? You're some kind of messiah. Are you going <laughs> to, I'm going to send you to Moose uh, Calvary. <laughs> I last, the, two nights ago, I went to sleep thinking, I haven't talked to George in a while. I'm going to, I'm going to write George in the morning when I wake up. And when I woke up, there was a letter from George. Wow. Huh? And I said, spooky action at a distance. And he said, that's not what that means. <laughs> I was like, Argh are you
0: are you accustomed to people telling you that when you say spooky action at yeah, distance? because okay. i
1: use it for almost everything okay uh oh you're having spaghetti tonight wow spooky action at a distance let me ask you this let me ask you this what is the weirdest aminal you've ever ridden
0: <laughs> um i don't know if i've ridden anything that weird have you
1: been to southeast asia
0: yeah, and this is problematic.
1: Have you ever ridden an elephant? Because
0: I rode an elephant for ten minutes. You did, though. And now I feel bad because I didn't know at the time that like there's a case for don't ride on the elephant. Not not because you'll do anything, just because it doesn't want to be there. You don't yeah. want you don't want to support the kind of business that incentivizes riding on an elephant.
1: Yeah, they should be busy moving logs or whatever it is that they normally are, do. Are elephants like border collies?
0: They just love to have a job. They go bananas in the backyard. If you don't give them a bridge on the river quiet, a build. I mean,
1: elephants are one of a very, very small number of, of animals in the world that have been ridden by humans for a long time. Um, and we didn't
0: ride on them for a long time. It was like 10 minutes
1: tops, but you guys didn't. Yeah. But us, we, the people of, of the world have ridden on, um we've you know there are only a few animals that are suitable for it, and then some of them we've actually you know engineered over millennia. Too.
0: Real real talk? Most animals go ahead. Too small to ride on. That is can't awesome. ride on a crawfish, can't Absolutely ride true. on a a, a, a swallow. You can't well, ride on African or European swallow? Oh.
1: <laughs> That's a Ken joke.
0: It is not. <laughs> <laughs> there's whatever I like one level down from what, anything I would say is like Monty Python quotes. Come on. Uh, you can't ride on a
1: cicada. You nope. Can, you can't ride on a Maltese terrier. Nope. Some of the things that you can't ride on, it depends how big you are, right? Like there are pigs that a kid can ride. There are a lot of things a kid can ride. What's the name of the sport where everybody rides sheep, mutton busting? Mutton busting.
0: Yeah, and you're right. There, all those are for kids because a yeah. grown man should not be riding around on a sheep.
1: There's a whole thing at the Puyallup Fair, uh, like a rodeo, where they <laughs> where eight year olds get on sheep and see how long they can stay on it, and it is so fun to watch. The sheep don't want to have a kid on them, uh, but the sheep can, you know, they can have a kid on them for the for however long it takes them to get that kid off. And the kids really are, they're like little cowboy kids Mm -hmm. and they, they're all going to be rodeo stars someday. Yeah. And they're riding those sheep like their life depends on it. It's like training wheels for rodeo or learner's permit for rodeo. And a lot of the, a lot of the best sheep riders are little girls and they're just having the best time riding that sheep. And you know, and the crowd's going crazy. I'm going crazy. Ride that sheep. And then, you know, there's the, I guess, greased pig. You're not trying to ride it; you're trying to catch it. When my kids were little, they would ride our,
0: um, they would ride our golden retrievers. Yeah, right. And the retriever was be, would be very patient. Yeah, because they're they're long suffering dogs. But they were not clearly not into it. And I think there is kind of a, a level when we think about which species we should be riding, we should really be thinking about their opinions more than ours.
1: <laughs> yeah, although I think the first time you ever ride anything, it probably isn't into it. Famously, Uh, you got to break a horse. Yeah, I think a horse will do it. I think everything will manage to do it. Does that mean
0: we shouldn't be riding on anything? Because really, they'd prefer not if you you gave them a... Once horses and zebras get the vote, they're going to be like, nope.
1: That's the thing. I feel like PETA uh, wants there to be horses, dogs, and goats in the United States Senate, and we shouldn't be riding... Or oh, even couldn't be much worse. <laughs> <laughs> and <what we> get, <laughs> am I right? Yep. Uh, those, Finger guns. Think about those those
0: doofuses in Washington. Yeah. Right? Let's
1: send some goats back to Washington and get get uh, drain the swamp. Yeah, I don't think uh, I don't think anything wants to be written, and I think the consensus seems to be increasingly as we move toward move inevitably toward animal rights. Yeah. Is that all of the things? that we don't have to ride, we shouldn't. I think there are people in Southeast Asia that would say my whole business and sure. our local economy depends on us riding elephants. Um, and uh, that's, you know, that's what
0: they have instead of monster truck
1: rallies there. we just re- That's right. We just recently did an episode on how popular camel racing is. Yeah. Uh, camel racing also like all of these things I am prohibited from doing because I weigh 250 pounds. There is not... I mean, there are very few horses that would even carry me. I think an elephant would, but an elephant would be like, really?
0: This guy? Really? A sack of potatoes? That elephant is used to a 96 pound Thai man.
1: Yeah. And, and, or maybe like a a 130 pound American tourist who's giggling, but it's, it's like a full grown, it's like four people. I'm four people. Although in The Hobbit, or in the Lord of the Rings, you know, they've got yeah, they, like 15 they got, people they up got there. a little house up there.
0: Yeah. They've got a whole uh, a whole battle tent.
1: Yeah, right.
0: Those are also not elephants. Those yeah. are... Boilophants. Those are Mumakil, the oliphant. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're, they seem bigger than anything we have on I guess that's non-middle true. earth. I think it would be... I think we should make it a goal as a species to ride on every animal, but keeping, you know non-animal cruelty in mind. We should just do this by placing a newborn baby briefly
1: on every species that has never been ridden. You might be surprised, or maybe not, to uh, hear that that is is a fairly common feeling, that we should try and ride everything by putting a baby on it. Is that true? Well— I, I don't know if I'd
0: start oh. with a baby. Throughout history, Jockeys are usually little men, but nobody's ever like, let's just put a newborn on that thoroughbred and see what happens.
1: When when we when we as human beings and I'm and I'm I'm going way back. I'm setting the way back machine to way way back. I feel like anytime something runs by, it's very much human instinct to want to get on it and see how far you can ride it. It's
0: cuz it went faster than us. All right. Ostrich is going faster than you. It's just
1: mechanical advantage. And I think the first person to try and ride a lion realized that was a bad idea pretty quickly. Well, yeah, it was probably the last thing he realized. Right. Uh, and I think if you try to ride a rhinoceros or a hippopotamus, they will dissuade you from trying that again. Um, uh, but you can ride an ox, although an ox, sort of ambivalent about it. Uh, But a lot of... A lot of uh, the kind of like, well, I can't ride a kangaroo, but what if I put a saddle on a kangaroo and put a six-year-old on it? Yeah,
0: there's uh, a how about, or a monkey. Remember in like Swiss Family Robinson, they got a little monkey riding around on a ostrich or a zebra or whatever. There you it go, is. a monkey on a dog. The monkey can represent all primates as we place it, respectively, on a bunch of small animals.
1: This is all very popular, but but um, like one of the one a lot of the story takes place in. Uh, South Africa, even though South Africa does not have moose, but South Africa has, um, like a magical combination of a lot of weird animals that are big that you might be able to ride right on the bubble briefly. And also South Africa has, um, a history of a history where the colonial occupying powers had a lot of funny ideas.
0: Is this generally what happens? The actual indigenous people know better or have learned better ten thousand years ago which species you don't even try? This is the thing. And then if, a guy in a pith helmet
1: shows up and is like, That's it. I'm riding that. If you go around the world, if there if there are animals that can be ridden, the local people will be riding them. And they will have, because of human nature, I think, long ago figured out the ones you can and cannot ride. Like it's hard to ride a dolphin. It would be funny if they had a checklist, like all these native people just pull out
0: a thing and they're like, no, 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 rhino, and they go over, nope, Nope, nope. that's in the no column.
1: Giraffe, nope. Uh, But one of the things, and this is still possible, in South Africa, there is a tourist culture and somewhat of a like... This is one of those kind of like in Thailand
0: adventure tourism off the beaten path. Yeah, laws it's, don't it's, apply to us. It's that, <laughs> and the
1: locals. Uh, the locals are like, sure, we'll do this for twenty minutes because whatever. Um, there's a culture of ostrich riding. Ostriches are large,
0: but the the part you would sit on seems small. You cling to the neck.
1: This is, I think, the main issue of ostrich riding. They are birds. And giant chickens, and uh, they have hollow bones.
0: Now I was with you when you saw ostriches
1: were birds. You think ostriches are giant chickens? Mm, all birds are chickens, either big or small. The, I thought all birds were dinosaurs. Well, chickens are dinosaurs. That's true. Therefore, by the transitive property, <laughs> um, so chickens have hollow bones, just like uh, just like Jack's girlfriend uh, that works in a museum on, on Thirty Rock. All things lead back to Thirty Rock because Thirty Rock is a dinosaur. It's true. Uh, Ostriches have hollow bones. They are not meant to be ridden, but they are so big that you can, like, again, I could not, probably you could not, but probably Mindy could get on an ostrich and ride it for a bit. Um not for a long time. It's
0: not. What's what's the tr- what happens first? The ostrich tosses you off, or the ostrich fails, or what?
1: Well, the thing about an ostrich is it only has two legs, and so it is incapable of bucking. Ah, so it can't buck you off. Take that dinosaur. Yeah. And the way to ride an ostrich is what they do. <laughs> it's terrible. You should not do this. If you have an ostrich, don't try this. But they have a bunch of ostriches in a in a corral. And they throw a bag over an ostrich's head, and as everyone knows, if you throw a bag over a bird's head, uh, the bird is like, "What? It's nighttime." Yeah, they Better don't go to sleep. They don't have object permanence, so they're just floating in space, right at that point. And then they bring the the hooded ostrich over to the side of the fence, and they throw you on it, and they put you on it in a way where your uh, your legs are down on either side of the wing. You can't really grab an ostrich around the neck. Although that's your impulse, right? So you, sure. you kind of grab it by the feathers, where the neck becomes body. There, <laughs> and that seems like it's not going to last. And then they take the hood off, and the ostrich is just like, "Whoa! I'm back in the world!" And they run around, and they're like, "Why is there something on me?" And they just run around until they can get you off. and And I think it doesn't take long for you to want to get off. But they can't. They they can. That's terrifying. They probably think it's a predator or a tumor, right? And they. <laughs> right uh, if you had if you went into outer space and then suddenly had <laughs> suddenly a t- i got a hundred pound thing on my <laughs> back
0: tumor i'm gonna be like i gotta get to a doctor
1: but if you watch the videos you know you'll see like uh like uh, native south africans doing it as like a like a har har kind of thing and if you weigh 100 pounds you can ride an ostrich around a, a corral for a minute or two and it is very funny um because also there's not a lot of, I mean, an ostrich doesn't have a ton of meat on it. So, although I mean more meat than a chicken, but you're kind of, you're sitting on a bunch of feathers and like fall. Mostly you dismount by just falling off the back because there's not much to,
0: there's not a, there's not really much of a back. It just kind of slopes down to tail.
1: Ostriches are kind of, well, they're super amazing. They're the biggest bird. Um, they were farmed in Africa and are now kind of farmed all over.
0: Like were they farmed in Africa like anciently or is this, this is a colonial innovation?
1: Well, anciently, I mean, everybody has always been intrigued by an ostrich egg because an ostrich egg has, an ostrich egg is like a 24 egg egg. It's like a cell. It's a single cell.
0: It's like an egg cell, but it's the size of a, of a, of, basketball, uh,
1: of two dozen eggs. It's like the twenty-four egg omelet at Beth's Cafe on <laughs> Aurora Boulevard. They should call that the One Egg Cafe. I think
0: yeah. Beth's is permanently closed.
1: No, really? Yeah,
0: I think a couple weeks ago.
1: Oh no! The twenty-four egg omelet was the only omelet you could get in Seattle that also had cigarette ashes in it. Mm, or at right. least that's true back when you could smoke at Beth. At no extra cost, <laughs> you can't do it anymore. I remember sitting at the bar, and the person cooking the eggs had a cigarette in their mouth, and the ash. I swear to you they had a they had a paper clip in their cigarette because the ash was two and a half inches long. And I was like, that's going in the eggs, man. I know it's going in the eggs. It never did, but I I bet you it it has. Yikes. Uh ostrich eggs, by our by the standards of someone who enjoys eggs, I think that uh the reviews of ostrich eggs are pretty mixed. Um some people say it's a very sweet egg. Some people say it's a gamey egg. Uh there's guys is, gotta get together. Maybe it's uh maybe it's just a different ostrich. They say it's a gelatinous egg. It takes an hour and a half to hard boil an ostrich egg. <laughs> and you'd need a you'd need a stew pot, right? To even get an egg in there. An, an ostrich egg uh weighs up to five pounds. Five pounds of egg.
0: I wonder how you would eat it. Would you slice if you had a hard-boiled ostrich egg, do you think you- would you slice it up with a knife and fork? Right. You could make egg steaks. You can't ju- yeah, you can't just sprinkle salt on the
1: end and take a bite. Egg steaks. Yeah, right. Or I mean you could. I guess it's like the Two- egg in the Mandalorian, right? The the the, the, the Jawas want uh, want Mando to go get that egg. Is it like a two-hander? Do you a hairy think hairy egg? Oh, for sure. And so I think ostriches were always uh ostrich eggs were always prized you know what's what's crazy about ostrich eggs is that the and the, I'm I don't have this on the best authority I've never seen this in person but my understanding is that all of the lady ostriches put their eggs in one place and then the dominant female ostrich incubates all the eggs daycare and then at night I think it's the uh, the dominant male comes in and the And Lady Ostrich gets up and goes and does her This is nice. Finally
0: a government with with maternity leave and family-friendly policy. That's right. I'm into it. Ostrich ostrich utopia.
1: Sitting on the eggs. Um, But I don't think ostriches were, you know, I don't think like they were farmed um, or, or, or herded by shepherds. I think they were just there as part of the local flora and fauna. And if you found an egg... G- good on you. Finders keepers. Uh, ostriches can hurt you. So I don't think you want to like tangle with the male ostrich in the middle of the night. I don't think the egg is worth it. But also ostriches are eatable and ostrich meat is very much like beef. Yeah, it's red meat. Yeah, it's not like chicken at all. You And there are steaks that look like, wow, that's a beautiful New York steak. It's an ostrich steak.
0: I think I'd want to eat like a wing because it, it, I'm imagining that it would look like a, it would look like hot wings.
1: Except Flintstone size.
0: Yeah, exactly. It would be
1: the size of my laptop.
0: Yeah, but do Because wings never have enough meat on them, in my
1: yeah. opinion. So there you go. Barbecue, except it would be like beef. Oh, like yeah. a barbecue beef wing. <laughs> I want beef wings. I don't want to hear the word beef wing. Beef wing. Now that's a Swedish metal band. Uh, right now, if you go on the internet here in the United States or anywhere the internet is sold, you can order both ostrich meat and ostrich eggs to be delivered from, uh, exotic meat purveyors. What does an ostrich egg cost? Well, ostrich eggs, depending on who you order them from, cost between 30 and $100. And I think the people selling it for $100 are the ones that are like, Ha ha. This is going to cost $100. I mean, you know, th- there are people that have three ostriches as part of their weird little menagerie. Sure. The, the families that have llamas might and, have an ostrich. Yeah, and they're selling their ostrich eggs for 100 bucks. But I think you could, you could probably get an ostrich egg for 30 bucks if you had a local ostrich rancher.
0: Well, they're hard to crack. I'm looking at pictures of somebody standing on an ostrich egg because the, the shell is also proportionately thicker.
1: Although they say, in terms of proportionality, that the ostrich egg is the smallest of all eggs relative to the size of the bird.
0: Yeah, it's not, yeah, exactly.
1: Think about the little, think about the European swallow, how
0: hard it must be to get that egg out of there. A chickadee's egg is like the same size as the chickadee somehow. Yeah, Yeah. It's a real magic trick.
1: Yeah, yeah, it is. Ostriches were originally farmed by Europeans in, uh, in Africa because ostrich feathers in the 1880s were all the rage in European capitals as adornment on women's hats. And so sort of like raccoons and beavers uh, were popular in Europe. Beavers were popular in Europe because of hats – and they were decimated in all of North America to, same, g- to make hats. Same deal in Africa with... Uh, well, no. Ostriches are not uh, endangered. Ostriches are an animal of least concern endangered species-wise.
0: Is it like chickens in Hawaii? There's just ostriches running around in, uh, if you stop for gas in
1: Southern Africa? I've never been to South Africa, and it's a great lament of mine because I was I was scheduled to go there with the... Comparative History of Ideas during the Truth and Reconciliation era, and I didn't because my band got invited to South by Southwest, and I had to choose. The classic dilemma, South Africa or South by Southwest? Do I go to South by Southwest and maybe get signed and end up being a rock star like Billy Corgan, or do I go to South Africa and write a thesis on the Truth and Reconciliation Committee. This was the issue, the number one issue in my life when I was 28 years old.
0: You could have been Mr. Winnie Mandela yeah, right now.
1: And I and I, and I I went to South by Southwest, and I regret it,
0: honestly. That's but, probably the most common sentence ever said in America. <laughs> I went to South by Southwest, <laughs> and I
1: regret it. I do believe you're right. It's certainly the most— uh, Maybe Coachella would uh, would, it, would edge it out. There's a certain kind of person that we both know that—, that that would say that for sure. Um, so, hat feathers went out of style. And sadly, yeah, but they had already started all this ostrich ranching, and you know, you got to figure it out.
0: The, the, uh, the, now they're solely worn by puss in boots. Puss in boots, and boots uses, uses 100% of the world's hat feathers at this point. In
1: apparently, time. ostrich feathers are super duper soft, like mm. silky soft. I don't know if I've ever really interacted with an ostrich feather, but after reading up on them, I was like, I do want uh, to spend a little time with an ostrich feather.
0: I feel like in a thousand years when this is unearthed, you're going to get roasted a little because you're kind of saying ostrich with like a J. So Like it rhymes with Natasha Henstridge for you.
1: So when or... I go to spell ostrich, I always put a D and a G in it. And then I'm like, that's not right. And then I go and remember that it's, Spelt ostrich. But you have a hard time saying it to rhyme with
0: Elaine Stritch? But I would never say ostrich. You have to say ostrich. Ostrich?
1: No, it's an ostrich. It is not an ostrich. Who has, whoever pronounces it ostrich? Literally everyone else in the world. Germans are the only people that say ostrich because ostrich isn't a a sound in English. Stritch. No. Stridge.
0: Tell that to ostrich. Elaine Stritch on your on your favorite dinosaur TV show Thirty Rock. The word the word
1: ostrich should have a D and
0: a G and, and so, an E, and we want to make sure that it comes to the future in the manner it should have been. Yeah, ostrich, not, not what is.
1: Ostrich is such a beautiful word. I, ostrich, is I a dream of
0: what word. is, or
1: what could be, and not what is. This show started because I uh, woke up in the middle of the night, uh, not very long ago, and I said, "Why can't you ride a zebra?" Yeah. And I felt like there needed to, there had to, obviously, there was a reason that you couldn't ride a zebra, because if you could ride a zebra, we'd all be riding zebras all the time. There's a little pasture on the uh, renton issaquah Road where it strikes me that there are some horses that are half zebra, and I've stopped and pulled off the side of the road and gotten out of the car and walked over to the corral and looked at these horses, and they're absolutely horses also.
0: Yeah, half zebra. Horse. Oh, horse. No, there's, <laughs> aren't they zorses? Zorses. horses Horsesorze. Am I wrong? I think zors is a thing. They're very resourceful. Yeah, no, this says. Zors? Yeah. I think the technical term is zebroid. Oh, boo. <coughs> I think horse, horses, horses. There's a problem with saying, I pulled off the highway to look at the whores.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's, I think that's why we don't use that.
1: I see. I see now.
0: Oh, I see. There's different kinds of zebroid. It depends on what the... It sounds like your doctor would tell you. Zebroid sounds like an autoimmune disease. Yeah, or something, some lesser character in Tron. If the, <laughs> if the If the father is a zebra and the mother is a horse... <laughs> Buddy, that's a Zorce. A Zorce. Yeah, but if it's the reverse, if the if the zebra is the mother and the the horse the stallion, that would be a hebra. This can't be right. A hebra, a horse bra. No. <laughs> a zebret, a Zebrinny, or zebra hinny. I
1: don't know. Zorces Zorces are sterile. Oh, but They're, he but Hebros, Hebroses are are horse bras can can continue to be bred. Is that true? Is that like donkeys and and mules? I don't, I don't know. I'm not a farm person and honestly, I've only ever been on one horse and it was a Clydesdale and we had a great relationship, but I've never been able to really, since I was a grown person, I've never been able to be on a horse. Maybe I was on a pony at the, at the fair. When I was little, but I have no recollection. Hinnies and mules are both sterile. So I would assume that zorses and
0: horse bras. Horse bras. Horse bras are also both sterile. Did you know my wife is fascinated by donkeys and wants us to get a donkey? I don't know if she wants to write it, but she might want to put a little hat on it.
1: I'm uh, I'm reading David Copperfield right now. And you know, donkeys play a very prominent role in David Copperfield. You're going to have to remind me. Mister donkeys! Donkeys! Uh, no, it's uh, it's uh, Davy's Davy's aunt is very upset that the donkey oh. boys keep riding donkeys across her lawn.
0: I just saw the updated uh, the Dev Patel David Copperfield or whatever that is, and I I did not know about that donkey part. I love it. It's very contemporary. An old person complaining about their lawn.
1: She's super mad, and she runs out. She's obsessed with it. She runs out, screen and and you know, and Janet is her uh her her girl who works for her. And um, and she screams Jan or not screams because she's not a screamer but she yells uh, Janet donkeys and then they run out with brooms and chase the donkeys off the lawn. Have uh, you seen Have you seen the up,
0: the updated the kind of the fanciful Dev, Dev Patel version? No, it's great, and I'm relieved to see that it is Dev Patel and not another South Asian actor, which means I'm not racist because I thought yeah. of the
1: correct one. There you go, and you're saying it's a live action film. Yeah, from a couple of years ago. Oh, I'm guessing that they had to eliminate some of the best scenes because it's a very long book with a lot of supporting characters. But Betsy Trotwood is is Davy's aunt, and she um, – I don't want to – it's a spoiler alert to even say she's in the book past the first chapter. But
0: Are you saying Mindy should not get donkeys because they're really rough on lawns?
1: Uh, well, no. It's another one of these uh, Botter-Meinhof situations because donkeys now keep coming up in my life, and I think – Having a donkey would be super fun. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think Mindy's right. They I seem mean, like they're good sports. They you, put up with stuff. You live in Greenwood. Even getting a donkey into your backyard would be kind of a struggle and you wouldn't want it in the front yard. Maybe we'll get rid of the hot tub.
0: Maybe we'll put the donkey in the hot tub. You've
1: been talking about getting rid of that hot tub for
0: seven years. Do you know how hard it is to get rid of a hot tub that somebody else put in a house right before they listed it?
1: Y- you know what it is? You have to use a chainsaw. <laughs> and, and I did it. I had a hot tub at my old house that I never used once. It and was you there. vivisected it? I took a chainsaw to it eventually. We, and
0: we may have to hire you to come over. It was full of ants. Ours is full of slugs. Does that make you more or less excited?
1: <laughs> I feel like if your hot tub is full of slugs, it's time to bug. We never, we never, yeah, we never use or keep it up. So. Yeah. well, yeah, get rid of the hot tub, put in a donkey put, put corral. In a donkey corral, yeah. Everybody should have a donkey corral.
0: Can you imagine kids today growing up without a donkey corral? In
1: my day, Arr. well, zebras are another thing that in uh, southern Africa, when the uh, the colonial Europeans arrived, they naturally thought, why. Don't we ride zebras? Sure. And um, the fact that the locals did not ride zebras
0: that didn't put them off. Famously, they thought they knew best. It yes. led to a lot of trouble.
1: Yes, they thought that they could uh, that they could overcome whatever problems there were uh, in riding zebras, and so it was quite an effort. Uh, quite an effort went into trying to domesticate zebras. And, um, I don't know if I've ever seen a
0: domesticated zebra.
1: Well, there's a reason. Uh, a lot of work went into it in this kind of late 19th century era. At one point, um, Lord Walter Rothschild having spent a lot of time working with zebras actually managed to put a team of six zebras together to pull his carriage through London to Buckingham palace to everyone's delight. And if you look at Rothschild in his, a picture of Rothschild in his carriage being pulled by six zebras, it really is a, a sight to behold.
0: You can tell he's, he's leveraging just ideas about what the Queen of Sheba would have had. It's, it's yeah. some British idea of Orientalist
1: glamour. Well, it's funny because for most of the British colonial enterprise, the effort was always to remain British and to not, as they said at the time, go native, right? And the and uh, whoever the colonial officer was who decided that actually the the uh, the indigenous ways made sense and were ultimately better and suited them, uh, they were derided for having gone native and lost their British, you know, their, their ridiculous white suit in hundred and five degrees. <laughs>
0: Except for tea, right?
1: Right. Car- everybody likes tea. Carve out for tea. Yeah. You gotta have tea. But there was a All h- the other native ways are uh,
0: disgusting to them.
1: In the mid-19th century, uh, this this sort of British adventurer by the name of Frederick Sellis um, went to Africa and he's one of these great white hunters like Teddy Roosevelt or Cecil Rhodes. And he went on what we would now describe as a pretty unsupportable, uh, he called it a scientific expedition. We would say rampage, it was a rampage. He <laughs> killed hundreds and hundreds of elephants, oh, no. but at a certain point, got into uh, this situation where he was dressed in a loincloth and uh, running with a spear like he really. Went um, all the way, and on and wrote a book. And on return to England, he kind of s- inspired this, this uh, what would have been a scandalous but intriguing, like no, 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 like going native is actually that's the real secret here. And filtered through the culture at the time, what that meant was they were going to go down and be english but with native materials so there's a there's a band in southern africa that's called the uh the fly belt and the fly belt is a a a giant region where the tsetse fly uh predominates and the tsetse fly carries a disease that basically horses can't survive it kills horses that sleeping sickness. Sleep, or whatever? Well, sleeping sickness is what you get in humans. Sleeping sickness is pretty rare, but equine trypanosomosis is a tsetse fly-born illness that affects horses. And so, of course, you know the British Army and the the whole colonial enterprise. Ships a bunch of horses to South Africa and begins doing horse business. And they all last a week. And none of them live. So there was then a lot of curiosity or not curiosity. I guess it would be a combination of this like, well, we're British, but we're also going to quote unquote go native by using, by saddling ostriches and, and domesticating zebras. But all attempts to domesticate zebras failed.
0: What about the guy that had six of them in his uh, on his coach?
1: Well, he figured out a, an important thing, which is that zebras are not actually social. They band together in big herds to uh, defend against lions and defend against predators, and this is one of the reasons that it's very difficult to domesticate any savanna animal because. They're social only to defend against attack by top predators.
0: That's that's very relatable to me.
1: Yes. Yes, exactly, right? I I don't want to be alone, but I'm not social. And zebras actually hate each other and hate (laughs) everything. (laughs) Wow. They're super-duper hierarchical. Yeah,
0: you'd you'd expect them to see uh, the world in terms of black and white.
1: (laughs) No. If I had a buzzer that I could shock you, just like low level <laughs> shocks, I would I would do it. And I'm sorry to say that I'm so, sorry to say I would shock. So there's you. like a king zebra. Well, no, it's a matriarchal kind of ah, culture. I, I assumed, and there is a uh, there's a, the, a very clear hierarchy. The lead lady zebra walks in front, and everyone else lines up behind in in uh, order of precedence. And if um, – and zebras bite and they have enormous uh, haunches and kicking power. And they wow. can actually kill a lion by kicking it, break a lion's skull with a kick. Presumably there would be no zebra left if not for this trait evolving. Right. There's a, there's a somewhat famous story in that dates fairly recently to 19, the 1980s. They were trying to repopulate Zimbabwe with zebras – because the zebras had been decimated, and they put uh, they captured sixteen zebras, put them in a truck, and drove them to Zimbabwe. And when they opened the truck, there was only one zebra left. They had all kicked each other to death. Wow! And there was just one zebra standing. You know, two zebras enter, one zebra. And leaves. that's what you want. Good news, Zimbabwe! You got the best zebra. <laughs> so somehow, Lord Rothschild understood this well enough to put six zebras into a harness where they knew. He got the order right. He got the order right, and they managed to go to Buckingham Palace. I mean, six
0: zebras, there are what, 120, 240 orders of, of six zebras? Did I do that? Oh, yeah, okay, right. Oh, so, 720. 720 different pl- ways you can put those zebras in. Only one is correct. So he must have either got lucky or gone through a lot of zebra sextets.
1: And this is the thing about the 19th century, right? This is another reason why you can't tax the rich because, you know, these were all uh, gentlemen naturalists and they discovered things.
0: If you tax the rich, how will they have enough money to reorder their zebras (laughs) 720 times until they stumble upon the right ordering?
1: Exactly. Uh, But— everyone's experience in trying to, and the thing is in South Africa, they had all these, every kind of idea. And you know, they were going to use leopards as guard dogs. They were, they had all, and it all, it all failed. It Yay. all was a disaster. Um, but it turns out zebras are, uh, they have very short memories. They are not motivated by most things. Very, Hard to domesticate and disagreeable like biters. Um, you can you can have a zebra for fifteen years and then apparently you go out the next day and the zebra has never seen you before and wants to kill you. Wow! Um, oh, very recently, in two thousand five, there was a movie called Racing Stripes.
0: Yeah, I remember that. The kids
1: movie where a zebra, zebra and thoroughbred racing, right? Yeah, a, z- a zebra a zebra that that got lost from the circus ends up in a paddock with a bunch of racehorses and the zebra thinks it's a racehorse. And um true story? No. Oh. But a uh you know the the, the female lead of the movie Hayden uh Hayden Penateer from Heroes. From Heroes. Sure. Uh, she plays the, um, you know, the plucky teen that works with, uh, uh, works with the, the horse or I'm sorry, zebra that wants to be a horse that thinks it's a horse. Panettiere, by the way. Oh, Hayden Panettiere. Who knows? Uh, and, and the movie was, you know, a minor hit. Unfortunately, Hayden Panettiere actually got bucked off of a zebra during the filming And suffered a bad concussion and a pinched nerve, and was prohibited by the people making the film to discuss that in the promotional materials. (laughs) Um, So even under the uh, uh, under the controlled conditions of a Hollywood film, she was not able to ride a zebra. And zebras
0: don't like hidden. Paneteer. who do they see? Like? That's what I'm
1: saying. And they filmed the movie in South Africa, so these were zebras that had that had a long history of. But you know, they're they're very strong buckers and kickers, and and um, good for them. Yeah, they're tough.
0: I think they're coming off well in this story.
1: Although in uh in more recent years, and I'm talking about 2013, a Virginia Tech student by the name of Shea Inman. Motivated, inspired by the movie Racing Stripes, <laughs> she was a horse, a horsey girl, a horsewoman who had grown up riding horses and on her Virginia, her parents' Virginia farm, uh, in a horsey culture. You've been to, you've been to country Virginia. It's horsey. It is. There's a lot of horses there. If you grew up with money, you grew up with horses. Yeah. She really loved the movie Racing Stripes, and she wanted a zebra. And there are zebras in America. Um, people love zebras. Well, I just said there's a there's a zebroni, uh, or a couple of them, living right up here in Renton. So she talked to her mom, and she said, look, I want to get a zebra. And her mom agreed. It was only $10,000 to... Buy a zebra huh. in Texas, and she... Maybe instead of investing in your friend's French restaurant, I'll just get I'll just get a zebra. Just buy a couple. Yeah, we're talking about donkey. Just have a zebra. It'll be the hit of the neighborhood. I mean, you will with a donkey, too. You'll be the hit until anyone actually meets the zebra. Well, the thing is, the next-door neighbors will be, like, watching TV, and they'll hear... And they'll be like, nope. Nope, Ken. Yeah, it's not going to happen in British Seattle City bar. limits, I think. Uh, so she bought this zebra in texas and had it shipped up to virginia she named it joey after the character from friends uh, and,
0: i was gonna say dawson's creek but okay
1: <laughs> and she said about domesticating this zebra and she got the zebra to be tame and could ride the zebra tamish uh she's you know she's diminutive small enough that she could ride a zebra All the zebra biologists are very clear that zebras do not have strong backs. They're not—I mean, horses have been bred to be ridden over centuries, uh, and zebras do not—it's bad for them. So there's
0: anatomical reasons why we shouldn't be riding these undomesticated
1: animals. Yeah, they can't travel very far. And even, you know, and Shea was very clear that she could ride the zebra for a little bit, and then the zebra was not into it. And she would always dismount when the zebra expressed discontent. But she also said, again, she would come out sometimes to feed the zebra and the zebra would say, I've never seen you before in my life. I mean, that's not too different than probably most of her friend groups. You know? Yeah, well, it's certainly true for me. Almost everybody I know is like, hmm, have I seen you before? <laughs> that's the pandemic. But after spending some time uh, researching how – difficult it is to domesticate and ride a zebra i thought what are the other things that you could domesticate and ride that nobody seems to do and of course because i'm uh i'm one half of omnibus my first thought was moose moose and i've thought a lot about riding moose over the years because i've seen moose and there they are and they're quite big and they look rideable they're majestic if you were riding a moose you'd be the biggest guy on the on the cattle drive. Can you use the antlers to steer or are they too far away from the saddle? You could grab the the roots of the antlers and maybe steer the... Yeah, would be like an airplane tiller. Steer the deer, as they say. Yes. they say. Uh, <laughs> um, and so, uh, but having thought about it a lot, I guess I'd never really considered the fact that we don't ride moose and why. Um, and so digging into it, I discovered that moose husbandry over the centuries has been a thing uh, that uh, many people have explored.
0: Can we say domoostication instead of moose husbandry?
1: (sighs) Where's that buzzer that shocks you a little bit? It's better, right? It's a little better. The the record is somewhat silent on uh, whether or not moose, whether or not anyone ever tried to ride a moose prior to Um, the 17th century, uh, I'm sure that Native Americans or Laplanders, uh, at some point, a brave, brave, tried to jump on a moose and see how far he got.
0: You'd think with their culture of... uh, Daring-do. Yeah, daring-do and also, um, you know, interactions with the local wildlife.
1: But as I think anyone uh, – as, as Lewis and Clark discovered, uh, riding moose was not any real part of Native American culture. Did Lewis and Clark discover this? Yeah. <laughs> their, <I> mean, <laughs> the title of their
0: first book was, Riding Moose is Not a Big <laughs> Part of Native American Culture. It's
1: why the horse was so popular in Spanish America because uh, moose riding – had never taken off. I mean, it's not like there's a ton of moose in Mexico. You're saying but, you'd only use the horse as a plan B. You, yeah. You would exhaust all the moose first. Yeah, you'd try to ride the elk. You'd try to ride the buffalo.
0: Um, Is this the same reason why people Americans buy pickups today but not sedans?
1: You, go on. You just want to be up high. Well, yeah, and, and go fast, as you say. Like, if you could get on a buffalo and domesticate it and ride it, how cool would you be? Uh, you'd but be unstoppable. It's, but it's not really – like. As we discussed at the beginning of the show, ride, uh, 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 for an animal to want to be ridden, or even a, a na- allowed to be ridden, you have to have worked on it for centuries.
0: And in some cases, like literally long enough for the animal to have new traits, Yeah, physiological traits spread into it. That's right.
1: That's right. Um, Charles XI of Sweden suggested that uh, maybe they could try to have a, like the King's guard ride moose. Mm. It would be very impressive. Um, they actually have, would this have been caribou? No, they have moose. They have moose. Huh? Uh, they call them elk, but they're moose, Swedish moose. Uh, they have moose throughout Russia. It is a, Euro, it's a, it's a global animal of the North. Moose is an indigenous American word, of an some American kind. word so they that, say elk. Yeah, it's an American word that means twig eater in Algonquin. But, uh, but the attempts to make a, a moose cavalry were unsuccessful. But Charles XI did figure out that you could attach sleighs to moose, and moose would pull a sleigh. Because they're just running away from it the whole time. Uh, what is this thing behind me? Um, they, uh, they can, you know, they can, they can handle pulling things, but moose are, are two things that make it, um, that make them bad war animals. One of them is they're too scared. They don't like loud noises. They don't, um, they're not, they're not, um, aggressive like one of the things about a war horse is that the war horse also kind of gets into the fighting. The war horse uses its hoofs and it and it charges into the smoke. It's not dissuaded or uh, it doesn't demur. A moose is shy, shy and retiring. Shy and retiring. And they're not, if you try and charge them into the gunfire, they say,
0: no. Well, I mean, as, no e- thanks. as evolutionary traits go, uh, there's no... I mean, our dogs will—even if our dogs are, like, sitting up on the couch with us if we're watching a TV show, if there's a bolt of lightning or a a Mandalorian spaceship flies by, the dogs will immediately dive for, like, under the footrests because, I guess, if you hear thunder sounds, you get to cover or your species doesn't make it. There's there's not a lot of advantages to being the species that runs toward the loud, booming noise.
1: Both of your uh, dogs, in different ways, it should be noted, are idiots. Yes. But uh but I do think that's universally true of dogs. I don't know about wolves, do they cower? Like they must under lightning? Well, maybe they don't cower, maybe they smartly sl- cunningly slink away. Ah, they cunningly slink, right? My dog's cower. Moose don't like uh and I yeah, I can somewhat confirm this. I mean, the moose in Anchorage aren't easily perturbed, but they also don't um they don't want to hang with you, they definitely they're very much a hangout animal
0: yeah if they, if a moose is eating it'll just sit eating even if a crowd gathers yeah. even if it's like a suburban setting and
1: they're chill and they are chonk. yeah they're chill and chonk. uh but they did not they did not um become a super popular pack animal moose need a lot of forage they do eat twigs and they travel. You know, a, f- a fair distance in a day. This is, oh, by the way, an example of how you know we all come to. We know that you shouldn't trust Wikipedia. Yes, but we also all just naturally trust Wikipedia. It's just easier. Yeah. It's right most of the time. Just, I, I, I don't want to look at primary sources. Yeah, you just think about like, oh yeah, 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 right. I mean, it's uh, there are enough editors that Wikipedia is reliable. But it, uh, I should say, in the uh, in the Wikipedia entry around Charles the 11th trying to domesticate moose. It says that moose pulling sleighs can travel <laughs> 230 miles in a day. And wow. I was like, no, wait a minute. A moose can run about, I mean, it can sprint like 30 miles an hour. And when you see a moose on the hoof, running that fast, it's very impressive. But 230 miles a day. Is there a source for this, the movie Frozen? I did a lot of math before realizing that is wrong. (laughs) And it's profoundly wrong by an order of magnitude. It it would be closer to a few dozen miles a day? Not even that. I mean, a moose in its typical range, when it's really traveling, like during mating season, a moose kind of covers about a kilometer a day or a little more. And it's, you know, they live in the swamps.
0: But this is, they're imagining a frozen-type situation where the owner has a real camaraderie with Mm -hmm. the moose Mm -hmm. and can really get it to cover some ground.
1: Yeah, let's go, come on! And the moose is like, all right, hippity-doo! So, uh, the whole let's domesticate the moose thing kind of fell out of favor, but then... And again, the internet is an unreliable narrator here because this is both... There is a... um, there is a hoax, but there's also a, a the evidence that it, that it's real. In the 1930s, Stalin, no less than Joseph Stalin, and at this point we pivot a little bit into teasing the Soviets and are we about to have Soviet cavalry for the y- first time in omnibus uh, uh, consonant combination <laughs> history? There was an attempt to make Soviet cavalry 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 out of ostriches no out of moose Stalin put some um, put some effort into it
0: yeah you can't say Stalin doesn't put effort into
1: things yeah and they tried a lot of different things they tried to put um, like shields on their antlers and like have guns uh, on the moose um, they tried to mount them and ride them now, the, there are not a lot of first-hand sources. It seems like something in 1930 that Stalin would like pitch. Like, let's do this. You know, he did crazier things. But the moose, if you can imagine how little a moose wants to charge into gunfire, now imagine a moose with a gun on it. Uh, none of it was successful. And then when World War II started, uh, uh, ca- Calvary, cavalry was uh, was not really a. It, yes, it was. It was too late. It was a little late for that. Stalin had missed his opening. Not really um, as much of an opportunity. In 2010, the Russian edition of Popular Mechanics. Oh,
0: I didn't even know there was such right, a thing.
1: Right, and I didn't either. You must be its last subscriber. <laughs> um, in Russia, Popular Mechanics is a popular magazine, and on April Send Fool's the Day, which I didn't also didn't realize was uh was a Russian holiday. Maybe not holiday, but um May Day Observance? yeah, May May Day they observe uh the they, they just love the first of the month. International Day and uh and April Fool's Day is popular in Russia. And Popular Mechanics published an article with um hilarious photographs talking about the mounted moose corps that fought in the 1939 war in Finland. And they made some uh, some pretty cool claims about how the moose, you know, were instrumental in the Finnish war, including that moose could tell the difference between spoken Russian and spoken Finnish at a distance of a kilometer.
0: So not only are they a uh, cavalry, they're, they're the equivalent of Navajo code talkers. Yeah, yeah, right.
1: <laughs> so if you were, you know, like they, they were out in the woods and the moose would be able to tell you friend or foe.
0: I wonder how the moose would communicate that to the rider.
1: A series mm. of head shakes mm. for, for Finn. Mm. Um, but this article then got republished or referenced enough times without attribution that it entered into, as, as we see on the internet, it out of context entered into the kind of public conversation and then credulous people began to th- Feel like the these doctored photographs and this hilarious article were a real story, and there. So are,
0: it was really just an April Fool's prank that they put in their April issue.
1: Yeah, and there now online are all kinds of um, like Quora experts who will not only describe the you know the veracity of the Moose Cavalry of the nineteen thirties and forties in in Soviet Russia. But we'll tell you that they saw it firsthand. You know, these old guys that are like, I saw it when I was... In. Mandela effect. Yeah. The moves have retroactively become real. Um, and in fact, that story very recently was um, the Finnish public radio, which is called Yli... I'm, my Finnish is even worse than my. When I think of how Nordic American public radio is, I can only imagine
0: how Finnish Finnish public radio.
1: Is. And Finnish public radio is entirely owned by the government, and they published a, or they, you know, broadcast a story about the um, the Moose Cavalry that they uh, that they, based on all this internet research, had determined was a true story, and um, came under a lot of criticism in Finland and took a month to retract because at first they were like, we stand by our reporting.
0: Wow. Let this be a warning to journalists who are thinking they're being clever. Yeah. By putting a little April Fool's Day story in, on the BBC or Scientific American. Look, yeah. at, look at the snowball you could be unleashing.
1: Birds aren't real, Ken. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's what I hear.
1: But there is evidence, quite a bit of evidence that within Russia, the, um, those attempts to domesticate moose were real. And the idea wasn't to domesticate them as horses, but domesticate them as cows. That makes more sense. In uh, In Siberia, there are a lot of twigs. It's one of the defining characteristics of Siberia. Yeah. Uh, it's full of scrubby trees that are covered with twigs. In Soviet Russia, trees twig you. Yeah, that's right. And so... There's not a lot of, there aren't a ton of animals that you can pasture, right? Reindeer need to be in an area where there are no trees and, or a certain kind of tree. Uh, but in order to clear the land in Siberia to have sheep or cows, uh, it's not suitable for it. Um, it's, it's muskeggy, it's mosquitoy, it's gross, but moose thrive there. Huh. And so the uh the Russians opened uh an area they they began to pursue moose husbandry. Uh they opened a moose reserve. Um uh, the Nature Reserve Committee in the 30s opened a moose preserve uh which actually has a Russian name, uh Zapovdniks. Uh, a, a Russian name. Yeah. And, um, and as part of like the forestry industry, they employed moose as a component of forestry, right? They would eat the, they would eat the twigs and they would then produce moose milk. So this was going to be a dairy
0: farm. The moose are not going to pull plows or, or, um, give us delicious
1: moose steaks. Right. They, they, they figured out that you cannot farm moose for meat because moose, um, they don't, you know, they're not like cows. You can't put a hundred of them in a pen. Uh, they can't survive, right? They need, they need foraging. You can't just put a stack of twigs and, and think the moose are going to eat them. They, they need a range. There's probably a taste issue as well. I, I doubt moose are... Oh, moose are delicious. Really? Yeah. Oh, they're a big part of the subsistence diet in Alaska. But isn't that because they don't have uh, They're beef? not. Let me, let me say, let me take that back. They're not delicious exactly, but but they are, they're gamey, mm-hmm. but they're just like eating deer. Okay. They're bigger than a deer. Um, but moose meat is, is part of the staple diet of the North. But in order to use them as... As food animals, um, they're they're very hard to to. It's hard to do that at scale. You can't herd them. You can't herd them. And also, moose. Apparently, if you if you kill a moose, the other moose know, and they don't come back. Now I'm starting to think they might speak Finnish, given given their other uh, feats. They do have a lot of qualities um, that makes it very hard to kill them for food, but very easy to domesticate as milkers. So Russians wanted to milk moose. This was the idea, that um, that you would have, you know, when a moose gives birth to a, to a calf moose, the uh, Russians here at the Kostroma moose farm, mm-hmm. um, they take the calf away right away. First two or three hours, they take the calf from the moose and they bottle feed the calf. Well, the calf, because moose are so gentle and nice and friendly, although I still don't recommend uh, feeding a moose a carrot out of your mouth. Lady in the trap stop. But, um, but if you bottle feed, bottle feed a moose calf, it will bond to you. Likewise, if you take a calf from a, from a mama moose and then every day milk the moose, the mama moose will bond to the
0: milkmaid. She will treat your cold-fingered milking as a baby?
1: Yeah. And she then identifies with the milkmaid that's that's assigned to her and is like, oh, and she – and so there at the Kostroma, uh, Kostroma moose farm, they're, they're – they let the moose free range. They don't try and pen them. The moose leave and go out and wander the forest. But the uh, the lactating moose will come back every day to be milked by their favorite milkmaid. That must be the mechanism of cows and goats and stuff too. They
0: must have the same kind of instinct. Yeah. I, they're never, like, th- I never thought about
1: that. I want to be milked and I know who's milking. So they imprint on the milkmaids. Um, Do moose have udders? Yes.
0: Ooh. I mean I've never pictured moose nipples before and I'm barely
1: doing it now. Yeah, me either. But I've seen plenty of moose cows in the wild, but I've never like been like, look at that, utter. That's utterly amazing. Yeah, nice track. Sorry, that's more of a that that wouldn't even meet your <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> meet your grade, would it?
0: But it's more like uh I'm Googling right now moose nipples, and I'm probably gonna get terrible Google results for the rest of my life <laughs> as a result of this. All I'm seeing is industrial parts. Yeah. Moose nipples. Oh yeah. Here's like here's some deer and antelope with actual udder udders. Are they playing? <laughs> they
1: are. Um the uh the problem is that they can domesticate these little baby uh moose, but because of the free range nature of the cows, the cows go out and mate with wild bulls. And so they've never been able to really breed a tame moose. Cause every time they think they've got a tame moose going on, then a wild bull comes into the scene and then they got wild moose again. But this kind of nurturing quality of uh, moose milking produces at least in one generation, a, a group of mama moose that are like, I'm down and they feed them, boiled oats or steamed oats and, and salt water. And of course, getting salt is a big, you know, that's a big thing for deer and, and moose. They just them. want to lick salt. Yeah. So feeding them that stuff, they're like, we're into it.
0: By the way, if you try to find pictures of somebody bottle feeding a moose, the number one result is Putin bottle feeding a moose.
1: Oh, so, of course. you know, don't let that dissuade you though. Um, so in 1992, when things were not so good for the Soviet Union... They closed the moose husbandry lab because of budget cuts and the moose that were in that region were transferred over to the forestry department as again, part of the like, well, we need somebody to eat these twigs. But in 2002, the uh, moose husbandry lab was reopened with the exciting idea that um, that moose could be farmed for various uh sort of um, pr- products mostly the idea that moose milk and by extension moose cheese could be used in sanatoriums because moose milk was high in some of the vitamins that help you recover from pleurisy where they- uh, this is all very russian yeah um, I, I haven't had to worry about which
0: supplements are best for pleurisy in quite a long time yeah is uh w- were they when they were had they when they had their dairy farm working in the in the 80s or whatever it was w- were they making dairy products out of the milk were they selling cheese and yogurt at, yeah
1: they by were, the side of the road but they were way they were kind of way out there um way out there w- uh out by C- kostroma you know it's not it's not super close to Moscow. It's
0: not a cheese center. Not a cheese center. as a cheese the center. The same way France is.
1: Over the, the decades, they've had over 800 moose as part of their program. But in general, uh, it's a small-scale operation, and they only have about f- between 10 and 15 milk-giving moose at any time. And also, their lactation season is only in the fall, right? So it's not a year—it's not like cows. Yeah. It's not a year-round operation. Right. They have to get them— when their milk, when the milk is up. Well, what are the culinary qualities of, of moose milk? Is it good? Uh, it's very rich. It's so rich. That it cures pleurisy. Uh, that it does. <laughs> and also, you know, you have to be careful. Uh, the cheese, it, it, it can be a hard cheese if you're not, um, you know, it can, it's got a lot of protein. It's mm-hmm. got a lot of solid in it. But another thing that moose produce is antler velvet. What? And antler velvet. It may not surprise you. Uh, has an uh, has a long history in Chinese medicine. Right. right. Um, what they do is they grab the immature antlet uh, antlers. Uh, they probably put a bag over the moose's head uh, because, but although moose does have object permanence, and then they does cut the off. Does the bag have a hole for the antlers? Mm, probably. Maybe it's not a bag. Maybe they put a handkerchief over their face. And then they cut off the immature antlers, and then they slice them up. This is in Chinese medicine. Does this hurt the deer? No, the the moose antlers are are. Although they are engorged with blood, I don't think they have nerve endings. They're bone, but it's immature bone, so it's soft. And you can make tea out of it. And you know, antler velvet. Does it grow, does it grow back? Because furry, yeah. They grow back every, every year. Every year, right? And that's the thing is that uh, uh, the antlers grow, then the velvet falls off, and then they're bony for the fighting season, and then the antlers fall off and they grow again.
0: Circle of life. That's right. That's the of life. proof of the existence of God. He knows exactly when they
1: need soft antlers, hard antlers, or no antlers. It may it may surprise you, it probably doesn't surprise you that moose velvet has a place in Chinese medicine, but it may surprise you that alka seltzer is made of moose antler. no, but that um that elite athletes in the two thousand tens in uh in both the NFL and other sports besides got it into their heads that m- moose velvet in a nasal spray was a high performance uh, enhancing what? drug
0: these guys were taking moose supplements so
1: so ray lewis of the uh, who was a linebacker for the the ravens sure always do what ray lewis does you'll never go <laughs> was censured for using moose velvet in a nasal spray because he because he tested positive for a banned testosterone uh, is that the supplement. idea that the moose yeah. is full of masculine hormones oh, that yeah. you can. Yeah. Hot get, get moose energy. Hot moose energy <laughs> in your nose. Uh-huh. And golfer Vijay Singh <laughs> in 2013 also tested positive for moose uh, velvet.
0: I like that there's a test for moose velvet.
1: And the World Anti-Doping Agency decided that they were not going to ban they reversed the earlier decision. Decided they were not going to ban moose velvet as a nasal additive, or and it also comes as a powder. Um, but they they say it's it's not don't, it doesn't work. You know all the all the medical people, of course, bunch of haters, say that snorting moose velvet is not a way to uh, enhance your golf swing.
0: Yeah, I think I remember Brent Mooseberger talking about this. Oh
1: my god. <laughs> Um but here is the and oh and then a the Moose Nasal Spray company which was called Swats <laughs> <laughs> was an Alabama company and they were sued by the Alabama district attorney and run out of business for making false claims about snorting moose antler. Real,
0: pretty much any claim you make about snorting moose antler is probably unbacked up by science unless your claim is You are now
1: snorting moose antlers. But here is the most astonishing thing. Moose velvet is a major commodity globally. And the biggest moose velvet producer, and I'm sorry, I should also say this includes deer velvet, elk velvet, all the velvets, antler velvet. Let's call it antler velvet. Um, The biggest producer, New Zealand.
0: Huh? What do they have down there? Which,
1: well, what, deers. Peasy? Yeah.
0: What are they? What is it? An aphrodisiac? What are we doing with all all this
1: velvet? It works for everything. It's an aphrodisiac, but it also it's a birth control. But also it can, can it prevents pleurisy. Is that how you pronounce it? It both causes and cures uh, it, diabetes. It does. It it uh, <laughs> it in, it makes your back stronger. It makes your nostrils flare. It makes your eyesight better. It's It's just a miracle drug. It's a miracle
0: drug. And is it the same kind of thing? It's associated with the kind of
1: masculinity of of horn and antler budding
0: mammals, so we we fall for this?
1: That, but also the kind of, um, it's, you know, it's happening during rut. Right. And so it's, it also, I mean, it's also a birth control for women. It's a hormone supplement that makes... Uh, that has a, that is used by women globally as well for other things, including uh, bone loss, and I mean the list. It's just like any of this stuff. You go and look at the list of the things that it does, and it does everything. It just, cleans out your carburetor. Just in case anybody thinks you're endorsing
0: moose antlers for any of these uh, applications, is there any evidence that it, it might work?
1: No, none. Oh. Uh, New Zealand produces 500 tons of antler velvet a year, followed closely by China at 400 tons. We're now at 900 tons.
0: I mean, think about the kind of per capita velvet production that New Zealand must be undertaking to outproduce China. Yeah. It's got to literally be powering their entire economy. Think about what 500
1: tons of antler velvet looks like.
0: I don't even know. Is it a powder? What what am I picturing here? It's it's a fuzz? It's a fuzz. I've, I've never used a fuzz for any kind of topical or even internal
1: treatment. But it's like a bloody fuzz. Yeah. Um, but I think in most of these instances, it's ground into a, dried and ground into a, 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 pe- a, a nutritional a supplement. Yeah, um, coming in third is Russia that only produces eighty tons of antler velvet. So the uh, Kostroma moose farm is is pretty far behind uh, the moose husbandry of the Russians. They were way ahead of the of the field. We have a velvet gap. We have a velvet gap but this morning talk about uh spooky action at a distance that's talk, not what that means <laughs> talk about the Bader-Meinhof effect this morning the the post on facebook about uh about moose cheese someone on the uh, on the futurelings group posted a uh, a link to a place in sweden where uh, a little farm, a family farm, that has three moose that are being milked, and they are producing cheese there. Uh, they make a camembert, they make a blue cheese. You can make soft cow cheeses? Apparently, in Sweet- it was Swedish moose. Swedish moose tech. And they are claiming, the Elk House in Jörholm, Sweden, is claiming that they are the only producer... Of moose cheese now, I think they're saying maybe that they're the only producer of soft moose cheese, but they have uh they have some pictures of of uh, themselves, the family there milk and moose, and um you can buy I believe they are the only place that's selling moose cheese on the open market, and it is. You can name your price then. Well, yeah, it's a hundred or no, I'm sorry, five hundred bucks a pound. Now, as you know, soft cheese is often expensive, but this is some premium cheese.
0: A lot of people don't probably don't know that originally mozzarella cheese was made from water buffalo milk. You know, there's there's precedent for using big non-cow mammals for cheese making, but I wonder what a moose camembert tastes like. I can't believe some a pretentious Seattle restaurant hasn't started putting moose camembert on the
1: starter's menu. Yeah, 500 bucks a pound. But then a pound of cheese is a lot of cheese. Maybe a futureling in Sweden will send us a pound of moose cheese. Because as as you know, $500 is only four Swedish kroner.
0: Sure. Send us goods and cheese. And that concludes Moose Cheese. Entry 806.JV1010. Certificate number 52260. In the omnibus, a uh, few chillings, you can, if you want more, if you want to keep the moose cheese content coming. We've done a show on government cheese, by the way. This is your second cheese-related entry. That's right. Entry.
1: I'm a fan of cheese. Are you going to combine them? I know you're government, a fan of cheese. cheese. You've oh. got one kid that won't eat cheese.
0: I do. And one kid that will eat only cheese. Only cheese. Yeah. So it's, it's a very tricky ecosystem at our house. Uh, for more most moose cheese content, you can well you can check out the future links page, as John has already endorsed. There's a Facebook group, I think there's a subreddit and so forth. Uh, you can find the omnibus social media accounts at uh, Omnibus Project at Ken Jennings, at John Roderick. Variously, uh, you can email us your personal moose cheese questions and we will send personalized answers individualized to your circumstance. Uh, contact us at the omnibus at gmail.com. Send us physical items. If you are in Sweden and have some of this $500 an ounce cheese or whatever it is, um, please send us a sampler packed in dry ice at, uh, to P.O. Box 55744, Shoreline, Washington, 98155. You received something in the mail, John. I don't know I if did. this is something that could be opened on air. It's from an outfit in Wisconsin called Scary House, and it says, oh. attention, John Roderick, but it came to the omnibus. P.O. box. Do you want to see if this is something that...
1: Opening now. It's a... Oh, it appears to be a deck of cards. Oh, this is nice. This is a... uh, Do you know what this is? This is a 1970s set of uh, cards where... It's their flashcards, but they look like playing cards. And they have black and white silhouettes of all of the Warsaw (laughs) Pact fighter planes. So you hold up the. Are these, e- these are from the NATO side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you hold you hold it up. It's just civilian air patrol stuff. You can identify Well, that's a MiG nineteen, and that is. Oh wait, oh they have U.S. planes here too. So it must be all the fighter jets that you might see in any engagement. And you have to study these plane cards so you can tell a MiG fifteen from a MiG seventeen. Which I have to say, they look a lot like each other. Are they matched? Like, is the the nine of diamonds is the MiG
0: seventeen or something, or no? So, oh,
1: okay. so unfortunately, they did not. They're not that clever. It's, not, it's US, not a
0: Gulf War kind of a
1: U.S. Army isn't that clever. You, you don't, you don't actually, you can't actually play cards with these. They're just flashcards. But but these uh, were a
0: military issue.
1: Yeah. Well, so what is that, Ken? I, I couldn't tell. It's you. a MiG seventeen. It's
0: something something snub nosed.
1: Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, there was a time when I thought I could have. Uh, Identified some of these, and I could have the MiG twenty one. That was a hot plane at the time.
0: Is there no note? Just some random Wisconsin outfit just sent you a, uh, uh, Dan, a set of Cold uh, War
1: playing cards. Dan from Scary House in Edgerton, Wisconsin, and he sent it in a in like a USB cable box. <laughs> but these are great, and it's from seventy seven. So it's all the it's all the peak Warsaw Pact stuff from my childhood. Yeah, that was really their best period. It really was. There was no MiG twenty nine yet. They were doing. They were doing great work. <laughs>
0: uh, thank you for uh, that. Whoever sent that, Dan or someone else. Um, you can always support Omnibus in a multitude of ways. Um, you know, whether you're a, a, some kind of sentient termite mound or a um, sentient light or a hmm? giant land octopus, sentient moose cheese, w- whatever you are, <laughs> whatever your number of nipples. Uh, or even if you don't uh, produce milk, um, you can recommend Omnibus to your peers. You can put
1: reviews
0: on your uh, whatever your information network is, positive. I hope um, the best way to support Omnibus at the moment would be to use our Patreon page at Patreon.com/OmnibusProject. You can see the many uh, perks and benefits available to those who support the show, including a monthly bonus show. So you are actually missing out on a good chunk of the Omnibus experience if you have not investigated our Patreon. Please do so. We thank you in advance for your service. The show would not exist
1: without our generous supporters. Future links from our vantage point in your distant past. We have no idea how long our civilization survived. We hope and pray that the catastrophe we fear may never come. But if the worst comes soon, this recording, like all recordings, may have been our final word. But if providence allows... We hope to be back with you soon, and we wish you many goods and cheese. Come see us often at the Omnibus.